This week's episode of Puck Soup is brought to you by Athletic Greens. And, you know, folks, I've been saying it for weeks now. I started taking Athletic Greens because they sent it to me. And this was the kind of thing I was always kind of skeptical about. Can one scoop of anything really uh, make me feel better and that kind of thing? I got to tell you, it's worked. Um, And it says here, that's because Athletic Greens has 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens. And one of these days, someone will have to tell me what an adaptogen is. The thing about this is, this is is good for everybody, because whether you're keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, gluten-free, whatever, it fits all those diets. It's only got one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no chemicals, nothing artificial at all, and again... Somehow, they still make it all taste good. Uh, it costs less than $3 a day, so that's a, that's, a, that's a solid investment for you to make in your, in your health. And so to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a one-year free supply of immune-supporting vitamin D, as well as five free travel packs when you make your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com puck. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash puck to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Sticks and hits and goals and saves and slap shots and goons. We've got sportly commentary to an FU commute. But we also cover movies, TV shows, hits and tunes. It's your weekly bowl of hockey and nonsense. <sighs> I'm Ryan Lambert from Elite Prospects. Sean McIndoo from The Athletic. And, uh, Sean, we, we have to, the first things first here, we have to uh, talk about how you got owned by your kids in yeah. sports. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this is the big the big news in the sports world right now. What else could we possibly talk about? Yeah. Man gets destroyed, humiliated well, by teenagers. I mean, I w- that seems a little extreme. And also one of them isn't even a teenager yet, so that... Kind well, of, that's even actually worse. It so. is, yeah. Uh, yeah, I got, uh, I, I took my kids bowling on Monday, and they both beat me. The, uh, the young one beat me in the first game, uh, at, at which point I insisted that we play a second game. <laughs> of course. Uh, and, uh, and I did beat him in that game, but then the, the older one uh, stepped up. And and beat me. And uh, this, uh, I was, I was trying. I'm not good at bowling. Like it's not like they, they didn't exactly come into my best uh, my best sport. I've I've never been a good bowler. Um, and to answer the the question that many of you had, yes, we were playing with the bumpers on the side, which is uh, a game changer for uh for, oh, for them they didn't beat they, they I mean they beat you but well, like it doesn't count yeah but I mean here's the thing it's like that that's the game I agreed to play, right? Yeah, like it's sort of like a, you know that's I true. I'm there's a part of me that wants to cling to that that it's not you know it's not real, but on the other hand it's like that kind of makes me like like a team that complains in the playoffs that like the rules are different and it's like yeah you you knew that Sean, going I got to tell you you got, you should be saying to these kids fake season yeah I've I you did I, not beat me in a real competition I have already offered them the chance to go back. And and play a real game because you know the the but like the, these are these kids are both raised on video games so once they figured out the bumpers they're like intentionally doing yeah. bank shots and meanwhile I'm just throwing strikes right down the middle well not strikes right. but I'm throwing them right down the middle and knocking out the middle pin and nothing else <laughs> um, because you can do um, that in five pin bowling which 
I got to admit, I only learned this week is a Canadian thing. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to circle back to that because okay. I do, I do want to say this. Your kids are the Dallas Stars and Montreal Canadiens of your household. Yeah, fair. I don't, th- I don't think they have what it takes to beat you in a real competition. No. I, I, I would accept that. And, in fact, I'm going to make them listen to this segment <laughs> to hear you say that. Um, you know what the worst part was? What's that? There wasn't even that much trash talk. Like, they didn't even act like they had just pulled off a huge upset and had to make hay out of it. Like, Sure. But they that both is, just kind of that like, That's a we're like, bounce. yeah, like they, it, I think the respect level is so low that they, they were just like, yeah, sure. That, that sounds about right. So that's, uh, it was rough. Yeah, of course we it was a rough you. one. Ouch. All. Yeah. Ouch. Exactly. All right. So we have to talk about five pin bowling because I've never heard of this and I come from a place. Did you know New England has two, uh, unique and weird forms of, uh, bowling? I have learned only in, in this week about, uh, what is it, candle pin? There's candle pin. And that's like, I'm trying to think of, if like if you stacked two, two and a half, maybe three uh, beer cans or whatever on top of one of each other. Yeah. But then they kind of bulged out in the middle like a little bit. That's what a candle pin pin looks like. And there's ten of them. And then there's one that even I've never played called duck pin bowling, which, as you might imagine, uh, the ducks, are, the the pins are kind of short and squat, or more so than uh, than your normal wow. standard bowling pin. Um, both of those are way weirder than five pin bowling. Well, so this is my question: How are these five pins arranged? Because this is that's what I can't wrap yeah. my head around. It's okay. It's it's basically. Uh, I mean, in, in real bowling, it's, it's the, well, I was going to say which pins to take out, but that's, uh, it's, it's basically just a, a V shape, I guess would be the easiest way. So you still have the 710 pins, uh, Mm -hmm. you still have the head pin and then, but basically no pin has a, another pin directly behind behind it. it. Right. Which is, um, and, and, and the pins are. They're regular bowling pins. I think they might be a bit smaller, but they're the same shape. And the ball is a smaller ball uh, that doesn't have holes. Um, and yes, we that's that's the case for both candle pin and duck pin. Okay, here, probably the but, same the same ball. But yeah. here's the thing: candle yeah. pin and duck pin have also two different size balls. The, the, like <laughs> candle pin, I would say is maybe twice the size of a ski ball. And duck pin is like a little bigger than that. Wow. No, okay. and yeah, no holes on either of them. Yeah, that's. I should go and, duck and then pin do you, bowling do you at some point. Do you score it but... like the same way as regular bowling? Yeah. Okay. Because mm-hmm. because five pin has but, its own scoring but system too. Candle is... pin, you get three throws. I again, I've never gone duck pin bowling, so I don't know if you get three in that as well. But you get three in candle pin. Yes. That is five pin is is three throws as well. So now what a world! I I had as I said until I tweeted this out, I never had any inkling that five pin bowling wasn't a widely accepted alternative to real bowling. I had a couple of guys like tweet back at me like, "What the hell is five pin bowling?" But I was just like, 
I thought they were just being like aggro dudes, like, you know, mm-hmm. like, oh man, I only play the real thing. It wasn't until you emailed me, like, you're going to have to explain what five pin bowling is that I had to go and Google it and then found out it's, it's only Canadian. So here's my question. Like I, you, yeah. you explained your like uh weird, like new England alternatives, but mm-hmm. generally in the United States, like if you want to have a birthday party for five-year-olds at a bowling alley, like, are they, they're holding these giant bowling balls and trying to get them down the lane? Like, well, so first of all, I just Googled it and duck pin and five pin have the same size ball, like okay. kind of a middle ground between right. 10 and candle pin. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah. So what we have when it's little kids is that I don't, and maybe they have this in other places as well, but when it's just the big, you know, regular 10 pin bowling, there's like a little ramp they pull out and you kind of like aim the ramp how you want. And then wow. you push the ball down the ramp. It's like a little, you know, metal thing. That sounds way less fun. This is... Yeah, it's... because Especially because, like, you still got to, like, hoist it up there. This thing probably... If you're a little kid, this thing probably weighs, like, a third of your body. Yeah, whatever, exactly. Exactly. And you're... Yeah, you got to hoist it up there. And it's probably, I, like, two feet does, off the ground. It's not... It's not, like, small. Why does five-pin bowling not get, like, talked about, like poutine and ketchup chips and i've never heard of it and i i honestly you know it's funny because we did a uh you know the the supotle the bonus episode that the the listeners pick um somebody was like oh uh sean puts together a quiz on canadian things for ryan and greg and i was like i would uh do really well on that i think um in general but i have never in my life heard of five pin bowling this is, uh, yeah, this is, this, I, I'm, I'm shook. This is, yeah, they, uh, this. they should, I don't know, because I feel like a lot of the Canadian or the, uh, the New England bowling stuff, like in my head, that comes from French Canadian tradition. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like we need to, at like on the border, some little border town in Vermont or something. They, they it did say we that. Need it said to there's get like everybody together. It said there's like one place in the States that has five pin bowling. And it wow. was it was something like that, but um, we need to get it. We need to get everybody together and do yes, because because here's the thing: five pin, duck pin, you, candle pin. You know what's fun all about in one day? You know what's fun about Grand five, Prix. five pin bowling is nobody's good at it. It's impossible yeah. to actually like you know because the other thing I've never been like a go bowling for fun guy other than with kids or the other place that uh bowling is fun is like the mandatory office fun day and it's like hey yeah we don't sure. have to worry you're giving us the day off no you have to go well but then there's always one guy who knows how to bowl and you're like all right we get it this is easy for you the rest of us so, nobody's good at five pin bowling and the other fun thing is those little balls man you can fire those you feel like nolan ryan just oh yeah absolutely yeah, yeah, just yeah. whipping them down there uh, and that was the other thing during our game. At one point, I went over and stole the ball from another lane um, mm-hmm. because the the balls at our lane were bad, uh, according to me. And my kids were uh, they they felt like that was uh, so poor. fucked up about these balls. I don't yeah. know what's going on. Here. I went I went you're, and got you're a, it, weighing them in your hand like it, I don't. know. It was actually the colors weren't cool. I had to go get like yeah, you have sure. to go get the ones that look like I went and got a pink oh, and black a chip one taken out of this. Yeah, one. I went and got a pink and black one. I figured I'd get like some of that uh, heart foundation energy going for me, but it didn't. It didn't work, and my kids <laughs> feel like I set a bad example of 
sportsmanship. You know what really bothers me? We just spent five minutes talking about balls, and this is the one show that we don't have a Manscaped ad on. That's like, right, yeah. It was sitting Perfect right there. Transition. We're, we're locked in. Everybody's been waiting for it one. for like five minutes. They're like, the only reason that this hockey podcast is wasting my time with bowling talk is because yeah. they're getting, and it's not there. Here's the other thing. Candlepin Bowling was on TV around uh, Massachusetts and New Hampshire when I was a kid. Like, Saturday mornings, there was Candlepin Bowling's live from Lita Lanes in Nashua, New Hampshire. Uh, wow. On TV, and you would just watch it. And that's the thing, because much like 5-pin, 10-pin bowling, or uh, Candlepin, I mean, you feel like, oh, I just rifled this in there, yeah. and three pins fall. Yeah. And you're like, how... What? How's yeah, that my, I, 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 I fire it straight down the middle as hard as I can. I hit the pin Wait, so hard. I'm like that. I'm like that pin is never coming back. That's right. I just knocked it into the next province, and then I and did. it lands standing <laughs> yep. up again. Yes, You're like, well, I don't. <laughs> yeah, what pretty hell? much. But yeah, uh, that I'm fascinated. I, I think we got to do it. I think we got to get the puck soup Grand Prix of weird bowlings. Yeah. We talk hockey in between frames of bowling, and I just I get madder so. and madder the entire yeah. the entire broadcast. Just that's right. See the anger. All right, uh, all right. Good show. Thanks, hockey, everybody. Uh, yeah, that's right. See you next week. Nothing. Real else going hockey on. talk incoming here. Uh, trades finally taking place. Can you believe it? Couple. Yeah, both of them involving the Colorado Avalanche. We'll start with the. A bigger name one, or the one that is, I think, people more saw it coming at least. Josh Manson to the Colorado Avalanche for Drew Hellison, uh, who's a, you know, he was a, a guy who played at Boston College this year. He's mm-hmm. fine, perfectly good uh, prospect, nothing exciting there, I wouldn't think. Uh, and a second round pick next year, I believe. I don't have this written down in front Not of me. Not bad. going off memory. yeah. yeah. You know, it's interesting. I would have thought that this is the thing, I guess, is Josh Manson with half his salary retained is what yes. I should have said. Yeah. And I guess that's what gets you either Drew Hellison or the second round pick, depending on how you want to look at it. But, you know. Well, here's here's the thing. It's the trade's fine. It's it's Colorado gets a flawed but useful guy, uh, which is is mostly what you're getting this time of year. Anaheim gets some futures back for a guy that that they weren't going to retain, but I will say, and and maybe this is, maybe I I know this more because the Leafs were said to be in on this guy. The rumored asking price was much higher, at yeah. least that I saw. Like there was a a piece, one of those uh, at the Athletic. We do a whole bunch of these like who says no columns, and mm-hmm. uh, somebody wrote in, and it was like a first round, the Leafs' first round pick, and a like a a B prospect. And the response was no way. It's going to take a first and an A prospect uh, to wow. get this guy, and maybe more. And, and that's like coming from not not just beat writers, but like anonymous executives in the league and that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. And they get a second, and uh, you know, it sounds like maybe a, a B plus type prospect. Now, this this anonymous executive that was like, "Oh, the Leafs will have to pay so much." Uh, that was uh, uh, <laughs> bad that, for beat. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. that's it's. Um, but you know, I get, and, and it's, it's not uh, unusual, of course, to set a higher asking price and then not be able to meet it. But usually then you don't see the deal go down a week before, but right. this is, you know, once you know what the market is 
And and certainly Verbeek's got a lot of work cut out for him, so he probably felt like if he can get this one this one done yeah, and this, out of the way. This is certainly, you know, of, of the three guys the Ducks are rumored to be thinking about moving, this is certainly the least good one, right? Like the least attractive, yeah. the, the, the name that's like... Oh yeah, you know, that guy. That guy was good for a little while, like yeah. three, four years ago, right? Like so that's certainly that's the least a... likely to to be resigned. It did. I mean, there's yeah. been virtually no talk of that. So yeah. Um, but uh, you know, if you were if you were looking at this and you're saying, what's the angle here? Yeah, like does Colorado really need a Josh Manson? Not not really, really. But like, nice to have depth, and you know, if he's your shutdown like third pair guy, which mm-hmm. he probably isn't in, in uh, Colorado slash injury insurance, uh, you can certainly do worse. And they didn't give up a ton to get him. Yeah, they um, certainly didn't give up so much that you're like, okay, they're done now. This correct, is, and especially got, because they got the salary retained, right? So yeah. now you're talking about, well, what are, what are they looking to do? And the answer is shed even more. Salary mm-hmm. because uh, what eighteen hours later, not even uh, they flip uh, Tyson Jost, who's making two million dollars against the cap this year and next year, uh, and will be an arbitration eligible restricted free agent for uh, Nico Sturm, who um, is fine, I guess, as like a big yeah. body bottom half of your lineup center who is a pending unrestricted free agent, but. And this is the crucial part: not signed for next year, like I said, and only make seven hundred fifty k against the cap. Yeah, um, not quite a pure salary dump in that Sturm could play for you in the playoffs in a far down the lineup depth role. But yeah, pretty. Close. And it should also be said that Tyson Joseph had an awful year for Colorado. He yeah. was terrible this season. So like, and like I said, Sturm is. You know, whatever. He's like a, a fourth line replacement center guy. Um, if you're if you're if you're relying on Nico Stern, you have bigger problems, obviously, you know. Mm-hmm. But um he he's he's fine, but he and yeah, I mean he's just he's not having a great season, but he's not having an actively bad one like Jost was. So like this is an upgrade for Colorado, and again, they, they get even more cap flexibility because they're going to try to get Claude Giroux uh, yeah. out of all this. And yeah. And, and Joe's a former 10th overall pick. Yeah. And that's the thing. Never... So for Minnesota, they get a guy who's definitely signed for next year. They don't have to worry about like, Oh, what's Nico Sturm's number going to be. Who's two years younger. He plays all three forward positions instead of just center, which is what Sturm does. And, um, they can at least talk themselves into, well, look, he needed a change of scenery, upside, blah, blah, blah. And maybe that's all true, but, you know, I, I don't think anybody was like, oh, Nico Sturm, at eight, you know, he's going to be 27 soon. Like, there's not a lot of upside left for a guy no. uh, who's been in the league. To, you know, he was like a 23, 24-year-old in, in college. So yeah. those guys don't t- tend to have a, the, the a ton interesting... more to grow into their game. The interesting thing about this deal for me is yeah. not that Colorado made it, but that they it was Minnesota helping them out. And now, they're in the same division. In their same I mean, that's your path through the playoffs goes through Colorado, you would assume. And yet here they are essentially 
helping them to get Claude Giroux, which is what we yeah. all assume is going to happen with that cap money. Now, right. if you're Bill Guerin, I think you could say, look, you know, look at what we gave up. Uh, clearly, the asking price was next to nothing. They're going to make this deal with somebody. So they're going to get the cap space anyways. It's not like if we didn't step up, they they weren't getting it. So at least we're the team that gets the decent player they're giving away rather than somebody else. Like I could see that, but it is it is kind of a weird look that, you know, when the Claude Giroud trade or whatever it is happens, we're going to look and be like, yeah, thanks to Minnesota, who you, you may end up playing in the right. in the first or second round. Yeah, I, I, I wonder how much of this is not even for this year, but it's for next year because, you know, they obviously, the Wild obviously have the big cap constraints coming from the from the buyouts for Parise and, and Suter. Um, and to have a guy signed at a relatively small cap hit, uh, it may be more uh, valuable to them. Yeah. You know, like within their own framework. I don't know. That's the only thing I can think of. Because I, I, you know, again, like, I wouldn't be super psyched to be getting Tyson Joes to otherwise. So. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, that's. So now we wait and we see, I mean, clearly Joe Sackick has, has gone to work. And now we kind of wait and see all these other GMs who keep saying that it might be quiet. Uh, we'll see. We'll see which yeah. ones are telling the truth and which ones are uh, uh, potentially not. Well, who do we? I guess I guess that's that's a good way to think about it, right? Like, who do we hope gets moved? Because you know, like I, people get mad at me for some reason for saying Ben Sherat isn't very good, but like, like I don't think if if any if anybody, even the world's biggest Ben Sherat fan, is like. That was the number one guy at the deadline. Yeah. <laughs> the, the fireworks. Yeah. Nobody's throwing a remote through their TV if we hit three o'clock on Monday and he hasn't been. Well, except for probably everyone who works for Montreal. But. Right. So, so let, let let's start with Claude Giroux. Obviously, it would be nice to see any guy who has been in the league that long. And hey, he was once one of the, he was once the best player in the world. You know. Um. According to some. Yeah. But it would be nice to see him go on another deep. Obviously, he was on the Flyers in 2011, 2010, 2010, um, when they eh, were cannon fodder for Chicago. Mm -hmm. Um, But it would be nice for him to, you know, even in a depth role, get get another real crack at this. Old old guy without a cup, baby. Yeah, we love everybody him. loves those guys. But is I've been thinking about it. Would I rather see him end up on a on a good team or Tomash Hurdle, who's been one of my you know more uh, like a guy, you know, like a real guy of mine for for as long as I can remember. I've always mm-hmm. been a big Tomash Hurdle fan, so I think that's the guy, I, the number one guy. I'm like, oh, it would be so sick if he moved. Yeah, because that would be a big one, and and it's starting to sound like he might not go. Uh, Jacob Chikrin's sort of in the same boat, younger yeah, guy. Yeah, that's where it would an be interesting good, one. And and the, I guess the latest is obviously he got hurt a few days ago. There was talk he might be out four weeks, but now there's talk that he could be back closer sooner two, than yeah. that, closer to two, which may or may not uh, change 
what the market looks like for him. But I, I still think that he's a decoy. I don't think the Coyotes have any intention of trading him for anything other than a windfall. I think this is like a way to really? get people. Yeah, I, I, I just I don't well, like, see I guess why it, they would. I guess it depends how you define windfall. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just I just think they're they're in a position where they're going. How many guys who are signed for next year can we get uh, in in trades? Yep. You know, just because again, obviously Chikrin is signed for next year and a few after that. But I, I think the Nick Ritchie trade is kind of like the skeleton key that unlocks what they're hoping to do next year. Is like we need guys who will be contractually obligated to show up to our college trade. <laughs> yep. Yeah, and we need uh, as many of them as humanly possible because if you look at their cap friendly page, there's a lot of uh, red bars for yes. next season right now. But one of the few bars it isn't is Jacob Chikrin, and right. I mean, I guess I guess you're not looking at it as we got to sell tickets because uh, you only have like you know three thousand seats in the arena. Although well, who right. knows if you're complete junk, we'll we'll see. But. I don't know. It just uh, to me, he's under contract. It's such a good contract. It runs for so long. I just don't see why you would feel the need to. to move. Yeah. This, this feels more like you get people on the phone and then you go, "Well, you know, we're not making great progress on this, but hey, can I interest you in Phil Kessel or you know some other guy that isn't as good?" Oh, yeah. That's sure. You're you're like anybody want Louis Erickson, and the entire league's like, no, not really. No, yeah, we're all exactly. set. Um, yeah, it's just. I, like yeah, it would be it would be fun to see Chikrin like, you know, be be one of the one of the pillars of some up and coming team. Like he, I, I like obviously they're not going to make the playoffs, but if Anaheim traded for him, I'd be like hell yeah, you know what I mean? Like that would be really fun. But yeah, I, I, I I'm I'm hoping he gets traded. I, I'm kind of with you in so far as I don't. I, I think it's more of an at the draft kind of a. Kind yeah, of a trade. or or any time else in the next three years. The other sure. guy that I would say, and, and this kind of falls into the same category as as Giroux, it, it, that I'd like to see him dealt and dealt to like a good home is uh, Mark Giordano. Another, of course, yeah, another old guy without the cup. Uh, you know, he he. It's obviously you know Seattle brought him in, made him captain. It, it would be a bit of a weird look to to move him, but uh, you know, unless you're going to extend him. And at his age, why? Like, it's it's pretty clear this Seattle team isn't going to be good for a little while. That's fine. They're an expansion team, but I, I don't know why you keep a guy like this around. Although, I got to say, I'm, I'm somewhat surprised there haven't... I haven't seen as many rumors about him as you would think for a guy yeah. who won a Norris a couple years ago. Like, Yeah, it's funny. Like, he's being kind of used as a stalking horse for Sherratt a little bit, where it's like, well, they're kicking the tires on either Sherratt or Giordano, and it's like, oh, um, yeah, they should get the guy who's, like, way better than the, yeah. than the first guy. That's the you thing. Know? I don't, I like, like I honestly look at this, and I, I feel like I've dumped on the guy all year, so it's, I guess this is uh, par for the course, but... Like I look at the lack of buzz around Giordano, and I'm like, is Ron Francis just bad at like getting names out there? Like, does he right. not? You know, because I mean, Sherrod, yeah, they should be looking to trade everybody. Montreal has played the Sherrod thing beautifully. They they oh yeah put him absolutely. out early and said yeah first October round pick. October seventh, and we like, all just <laughs> yeah 
We're all just like, yeah, a first round pick for that guy. Meanwhile, like it just, I mean, I guess part of it is it maybe the Seattle had to keep pretending that, that they weren't awful for as long as they could, but that, yeah, that's long. But like they're, they're in the kind of Vegas situation where they have a ton of UFAs who could be, or not a ton, I guess, but they have several UFAs who like, if you wanted to say, hey, trade for this guy, I think there would be teams that were like, yeah, that sounds great. Marcus Johansson, Callie Yarncroft, you're not going to get a ton for them, but they're they're good players who mm-hmm. who can you know be a depth piece on a good team. Um, I was really kind of surprised to see they they signed Jared McCann long term. That that also happened recently, I guess. Yeah. But like I I mean McCann's been their best forward, if not their best player overall this year, and and he's a he's a player I I really like and and that kind of thing. But I I was surprised that they were just like immediately like yeah well, five five years five million or whatever. Um, yeah, that that was yeah. Uh, but anyway, he's he's, he's, he's been good. But yeah, uh, and then the the last guy that that we have to mention just because it's it sounds dicey, but Mark Andre Fleur getting moved would be mm. a great story, uh, great. Uh, uh, presumably a pretty good, pretty good trade. Uh, yeah, and and a, a one that would be a significant game changer for whichever team goes out and gets him. Uh, well, now see that's interesting because he has been bad for I don't know since like like, like yeah. let's say since the new year he has similar numbers to uh the two uh the two leafs well, guys that's, who everybody's I mean, like uh, we got to we got to take harsh, these guys out it's true he has yep. similar numbers and and but he was good last night so that's all that sure and and also like absolutely you have to say uh chicago has been grinding him into dust yeah which it's, is not fair to him at his age behind a dog shit chicago team like that's going to make anybody look bad. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I just... Because, okay, remember when... um What's his name? Uh, was it Cam Talbot was on the Oilers and they were like, you have to play 76 games this yeah. year? Was, yeah. that, was that Talbot or was that... um That was Talbot. Yeah, it was Talbot. I think so. Um, But, the, yeah, and then the next year he was awful and everybody was like, damn, what happened to him? And it's like, oh, he played 140 games last year is what happened mm-hmm. to him. Um, so, I mean, okay, we do. I guess we do have to talk about the Leafs goaltending situation. Uh, it's fixed, baby. Right. They, they, got, they got a child to come in. And yep. the child was good in a single game against mm-hmm. a team that is famous for being just the most high-powered, high-octane offense uh, in the entire NHL. That's right. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I do feel like they have to do something just because it's like, I look, I get the Campbell is good and I get, and here's the thing is they are, despite how bad both of their goalies have been again, since the new year, let's say, uh, they've won the vast majority of the games they've played in that yep. time. It's sure. It's demoralizing. You don't want to, have to be like, okay, we got to dig deep for another goal because this dumbass behind us is going to give up, a, you know, a classic, oh, we want to have that one back uh, mm-hmm. at least once a night every single game. 
Yeah. We don't or we don't you don't want to be in that situation if you have the kind of aspirations the Maple Leafs have. Hmm. With that having been said, I'm not I'm not super worried about Jack Campbell. Peter Mrazek, yeah, okay, sure. I think you, Peter Mrazek is pretty close to a write-off at this point. Yeah. Just, and, just for this season, at least. And that's fine, right? Like, I, I, I said this in, in my column that's going to run later today, but it's like, okay, let's look at the two guys Carolina had last year that everybody was like, they're insane to give these guys up. Alex Nedeljkovic having an awful year. Peter Mrazek having an awful year. Yeah. And then, but at least the guy they brought in is probably not doing very well. Well, right. And that's the thing is Andy Ranta, not good last year. Freddie Anderson, he's a bum. You got to get him out of Toronto. Well, now he looks like he's a Vesna candidate. And it's like, okay, I think Carolina is just doing something that makes goalies look good. Yeah. But that that's that's kind of beside the point. Um, I I think if you're the Leafs, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of okay on Campbell. Although, you know, the thing with him is he's out for two weeks at least. Right. And that was, you know, they did say two weeks at least with the rib injury. Um, don't really know, you know, it, it's nice to think that maybe that's what was contributing to the slump, although that it, it was a relatively recent injury. It's not like he's had it since January when all this started. Um, I don't know. I mean, the thing with, with Jack Campbell is at this point, even if he gets his game back, what's going to happen the first time he gives up three goals in a period? Like, where does his head oh, go? Oh, absolutely. Like, yeah. That's, Knives are out. And, and yeah, and it's Toronto, right? So, I mean, it's, uh, yeah, I, I feel like the question would be, do you do you get depth? Do you get, um, you know, do you get somebody who can come in and be a starter, like a flurry? Do you? Uh, yeah, it's interesting, especially because, again, like the reason the Leafs, haven't won in the playoffs uh, the last few years is because they can't put the puck in the net. Yeah, and it's so not goaltending. this is it. It hasn't been goaltending. It might be. It might be goaltending now. Yes, but also like you know, the chances that Jack Campbell comes in and and plays like Jack Campbell has played the last few years, right? Uh. I feel pretty good about that, but I don't know if I feel great about the Leafs' depth, especially because while all this is going on, it's just the Matthews line that's scoring, pretty right. much. Yeah. And, you know, I we'll talk about the, the Matthews suspension uh, in a bit, but um, it's just one of those things where it's like, oh, the, the, the problem the Leafs had the last few years, uh, there's still the problem. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's, I mean, that's what it was against both Columbus and Montreal was teams that you looked at and said, okay, we should be able to go out there and score, and their goalies look like un- unstoppable. And obviously yeah. with Carey Price, it's, you know, you, we all, the legend of Carey Price gets another chapter, but when it happened against Columbus, that that was uh, that was just a mess. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, and, and here's the other thing is, and, and I hate to do this, but we have to when we're talking about NHL teams. There's two things, two separate things uh, that go through every GM's mind. There's what what's best for my team, and there's what's best for me. And right. Kyle Dubas is a guy who, uh, you know, I think he's he seems more secure than a, a lot of GMs out there because Shanahan, you know, is is always right there with him. And um, but at the end of the day, you know, Shanahan has a boss too, and and who knows. 
you never know when that, you know, uh, corporate board of idiots who runs the Leafs is going to wake back up and, and start paying attention. If I'm Kyle Dubas, if I if I don't get a goalie, and we lose in the first round by anything other than a seven, you know, one nothing scores, it's going to be on me. Like that's the kind of yeah, thing that gets be, a there or not. Him from that's what get yeah, like that like, gets uh, a GM fire. Uncle Phil. Yeah, if exactly. Yeah, if 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 I'm if I don't get a goalie and I go in with Campbell and Mrazek and and the kid, if 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 that's part of it. And we lose game one, five nothing. I'm done. Uh, whereas if I do get a goalie, and that goalie sits on the bench behind Jack Campbell and doesn't do anything, and we lose two to one every night because we can't score, yeah, I'm. Then I maybe still get fired because I'm. For, yeah, yeah, I, I, I might still because it's you know it's it's going to be a disaster in Toronto if they lose under any circumstances. But at least people say, hey, he 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 filled the you know he made the move that he needed to make. So. I don't know. I think it would take an enormous amount of guts at this point to stay the course on the goaltending. Um, and I, I just don't know that any GM in the league would, would have that. Um, but then what do you do? You've got, now you've got three goalies. Um, yeah, I, you maybe just send Mrazek down to the minors. You, you just say it's, yeah. it's done. There's you know, no, I mean, that, that, that's like, I don't think there's maybe about that. That's you, a you send him down. Move. You yeah. save you save yourself a little bit of money on the cap. You, you probably even tell him, look, if, if you don't want to go, don't go. But you're you're done, and and you buy him out in the summer or trade him or whatever. And that that could be where it goes because he's he's just he's he's a mess right now. You can't yeah. you can't trust him. And yeah. uh, and then you hope for the best when Campbell comes back. And then you know until then you ride it out with um, Shogren and whoever you bring in but again like if it's not flurry you're bringing in i don't see anyone out there that you're like okay that's the new starter and the other thing with flurry we should say is you know we've we've said all along that he's not you know the hawks are gonna only send him where he wants to go we don't even know if he'd want to go to toronto it's quite possible he's like no don't even don't even think about it but the other thing with flurry is there's been talk that if he's going to be traded he wants an extension to do it which is um and the leafs just physically they can't, can't. do that so yeah. there that would take the leaps out of the running that he's going to say look i i i was happy in vegas you, i had to move my family to chicago i hated that if i'm going to move him again i'm not going to move him again and then maybe do it again in the summer if i decide i want to keep playing i want an extension i want to know that this is my new uh home for the rest of my career at least just can't possibly do that i don't know that there's a lot of teams that would want to but maybe there's some it's the leafs aren't so it gets down to like who's out there that's better than you know who's out there that could be better than Jack Campbell in a short playoff series. Yeah, probably every guy because goaltending right. is weird. But who yeah. is definitely where you're like okay they've they've upgraded, put a check in that box. I don't know who's who's yeah, there. No, absolutely right. It's just it at some point it it becomes more about. Um, like appearing to have done the thing that people wanted yes. you to do. Which is, you know, every GM's always like, ah, oh, I'm not going to make a deal just for the sake of making a deal. But then half of the deals they do actually are, like, are that. Yeah. And this is one of those things no, where it's like. No, you don't understand. I traded for the guy who's uh, sixth in ice time on the Ottawa Senators. What's not yeah, to, what's not to exactly. like? Exactly. Like this almost is a, you have to make a deal for the sake of making a deal. Because yeah. the thing is, in 
you know, on on the one hand, sometimes we put too much emphasis on on goaltending. Sometimes, uh, huh? Sometimes, <laughs> but also as a player, like when the goaltending is bad, that really weighs a whole team down because, sure. like you said, you're sitting there like, like we gotta we gotta be perfect because this Nimrod back there is going to give up at least three bad goals tonight, and it feels like you're down three nothing to start, and if you don't make a, a move at all. The team in that room is sitting there like, geez, is it, has this guy not been watching us? Like, does he not see what we need? Right. Um, all right. Why don't we take a break and we'll be right back and we'll talk about uh, what's going on in the Western Conference because, boy, oh, boy. It's wild. All right. Uh, yeah, we'll be right back. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. Relationships take work. A lot of us drop anything to go help someone we care about. But we'll go out of our way to treat other people well. Maybe we don't give ourselves the same treatment. This month, BetterHelp Online Therapy wants to remind you to take care of your most important relationship, which is the one you have with yourself. Whether it's hitting the gym, making time for your haircut, even trying therapy, you are your greatest asset. So invest the time and effort into yourself just like you would do for other people. BetterHelp is online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist, so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can be matched with the therapist in under 48 hours. Give it a try and see why over 2 million people have used BetterHelp online therapy. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and Puck Soup listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com puck. That's B E T T E R. H-E-L-P dot com slash puck. We are also sponsored by Trade Coffee. You know, most coffee is dull, stale, questionably sourced, uh, but it's easy to get stuck in a rut and drink what you always have. Instead of standing in front of all the options in the grocery store, let Trade Coffee help you find something new to love. Trade sells the freshest roasted and ethically sourced beans from America's best independent roasters. They ship free to you as often as you like, whole or ground, Whether you're a coffee nerd or you just want a better daily cup, Trade's Real Coffee Experts taste test over 400 roasts and use technology to match you to your ideal coffee based on your preferences and brewing method. Take the coffee quiz to get started. Trade Coffee guarantees you'll love your first bag or they'll replace it for free. Trade has been featured by the New York Times, Wired, GQ, and has delivered over 5 million bags of coffee. Their subscription is no hassle. You can skip shipments, you can change your frequency, you can cancel at any time. Uh, they sent uh, my wife and I some coffee. It's fantastic. It's the sort of stuff that we would not ordinarily try on our own. Uh, we're one of those uh, couples. We're in that rut. We just buy the tin of the same old stuff from the grocery store. Uh, this stuff was different, and it is uh, notably better. And uh, it's it's going to be uh, tough. It would be tough to go back to the old stuff because uh, the stuff is really good. And I say that as someone who's not even a real coffee connoisseur, I can taste the difference. It is uh, it is worth doing. Uh, for our listeners, right now, Trade Coffee is offering a total of $20 off your first three bags when you go to drinktrade.com slash puck. To get started, you take the quiz at drinktrade.com slash puck. Start your journey to your perfect cup. Again, that's drinktrade.com slash puck for $20 off your first three bags. All right, so uh, the Vegas Golden Knights have absolutely shit their pants for the last uh so here's the thing they've lost they've lost five in a row but let me give you some numbers here 
that I that again I looked up for a column I wrote today. Uh, that yeah, they've lost five in a row, but they've also lost six of eight, eight of eleven, eleven of fifteen, thirteen of twenty, sixteen of twenty-five, eighteen of twenty-eight. You can go on like that for a little while, but the point is they've been bad for quite some time. Mm-hmm. And uh, what looked like maybe not a sure thing. They, but they were like, you know, 95% to make the playoffs in early January. Uh, now, I mean, they're still probably the most likely team in the West to make the playoffs just because of how are they, good though? they are on paper. Uh, okay. But in actual practice, oofy doofy, they stink. Yes, they are down. Dom's got them right at 50%, and oh. they were well over 80% like it, it, 10 days ago. And yeah. then it's a ski hill straight down. Um, now behind Edmonton and LA and obviously Calgary's pretty much a lock. Um, Calgary's got to be a lock at this point. Yeah. Like, and, and it's catching them in that division. It's always, uh, I feel like, you know, again, I'm not a super big X's and O's guy. I've never played the game, but it feels to me like when you do a five game road trip and you lose the first game and then you give up more goals in each subsequent game than you did in the last game. (laughs) Yes. That feels bad. They, they they gave up two, Speaking three, five, save, six, right? seven goals to Winnipeg, and now and and oh now the good news is they're home now uh, for for Thursday night, uh, and it's just some team called the Florida Panthers coming in. So that's ah uh, no problem. They're really that's no that. problem. Like yeah. what? And what do you do? Any other team, we'd be like, hey, trade deadline, you got to do something. I mean. They can't do anything. I know we say that all the time, and they always find a way, but they can't possibly do anything, right? I mean, they're... No, no, they can't. I don't think they can get anybody who's, like, going to move the needle for them in any significant way. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, like, you're right that, you know, uh, we would have said, well, they can't possibly trade for Jack Eichel. Uh, They they can't possibly sign Alex Petrangelo. They can't possibly trade for Robin Lehner. Uh, They did all that shit. But I don't know. It's it's just a bit of a tough sell at this point, right? Like, yeah. and we should and yeah, say it's it's injuries. Is it is and it isn't right? Like, I I mean, it was injuries for a little while, and and like it's not not in. Let I guess I'll say that it's not not injuries, mm-hmm. but that's not their only problem. I would yeah. say like and and it's like it's like any you know every team that loses this time of year, their fans always tell me, well, we got injuries. And it's like, everybody does. Not everyone has a Mark Stone injured, but everyone's got some injuries and it's, you still got to keep going. Yeah, that's, that's right. But, but um, Robin Lehner being out is. Oh, sure. Terrifying. Yeah. And, because and Alec Martinez has only played, hasn't played in forever, right? Like, yep. Max Pacioretty's out. Um, the, the two goalies they have are not good and and got thrown under the bus by their coach last night, uh, which is always fun. Yeah, that boy, that really feels like what it is, right? Uh, Pacioretty's back, by the way. He's He's been back for a little while, not really helping very much. And I I feel like, you know, watching uh, watching their games, that might be a thing of like, he's back at like 80%. He's not okay. Max Pacioretty. But um, yeah, the... the, the the thing is, feels like Pete DeBoer's got to go, right? Like they just like as as much as I think he's obviously a very good um, coach for a little while. Uh, 
this just seems like when you, when you start saying, look, he's again, he's not wrong that uh, the goalie's got to make a save. Like he can't just be like, why don't you guys try making saves? You thought about that. But at the same time, you're just like, you can't lose 18 out of 28 games or whatever that number I just said was. And, and mm-hmm. well, and, with, with, with a team with these kind of aspirations. And, and let's remember, right? Like Gerard Gallant, who might be the best coach in the, this. Yeah, he got like, they had like two bad practices in a row and they were like, yeah. no, we cannot possibly accept anything. I'm almost shocked that it hasn't happened yet. Although you know, maybe you don't want to airlift a new coach in, in the middle of a, a tough road trip. Yeah. And um, the other thing is they're home now. You know, I, I did see some people saying this and they're not wrong. Like, who do you get? There yeah. aren't a lot of like grade a coaches out there. I guess the answer you would say is Claude Julian. Mm-hmm. Right. But like, you know, there's a guy who, uh, they fired him, replaced him with a guy who's not an NHL coach. And that coach went to the Stanley cup final. So maybe you're mm-hmm. like, oh, I have, yeah. I have heard that was a little bit fake though. It has been. It certainly was. Absolutely. <laughs> but if you're Vegas, you're like, oh, we're going to hire the coach that uh, the second he got fired, that team went on an insane run and made it to the cup final against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Beat Toronto. I, th- I, think, I think you got to get whoever whoever you can get at this point. I'm looking at the schedule because yeah. I was wondering, like, is there like a three-day gap or something in the schedule where maybe Probably not that, the way the schedule worked out this year. They've yeah. got the Panthers at home. Mm-hmm. Then after that, they've got the Kings uh, on the weekend, which is, I mean, that's now the team you're chasing, one of them. So that becomes yeah, one a huge three, game. Right. So, I mean, can you go into that game? I mean, I, I can see where maybe maybe you say you don't want to bring a new guy in against, the, I mean, the Panthers are a buzzsaw these days. So, But I, I wouldn't be shocked if we saw an announcement today or even like between now and when people hear this podcast and they're like, Pucks why are they talking about this? Cause why yeah. are they even? Yeah. Um, and, and I'm not even saying that as I think coaching's the problem. This would fix them. I'm just looking at the history of, you know, Kelly McCrimmon. Uh, it's there's not no Kelly patience. McCrimmon, though. Like most teams that are in Vegas's situation of like, yeah, we're actually over the cap and we are pretty ruthless. In, like, let's put it, let's say this, right? Like, if the Maple Leafs had lost 18 of 28, mm-hmm. is Sheldon Keefe still the coach? I can't imagine. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and the other piece of it is you look at the two teams or, or two of the teams that have now, you know, gotten into the mix with them. Edmonton is has, has moved ahead of Vegas. Vancouver yep. is right behind them. Uh, what do those two teams have in common? They've already changed coaches and mm-hmm. it, and it helped. Uh, yeah, and, 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 and Winnipeg's right there as well. And, and Winnipeg and changed coaches, changed and it coaches. maybe helped. I don't know. That one I don't. Is a little... I, I would say it didn't help, but neither coach is all that good. But um, yeah, I mean, you're surrounded by teams that 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 took the plunge, the, and uh, yeah. you're you're going to sit there and yeah, I don't know. Um, it's what? but I'm I'm like amazed. This would be other than. Colorado. This was like the one team going into the season where I would have said a lock first of all, and by a a mile you would and a complete. Yeah, I mean we all we all had them penciled in as the Pacific winner by twenty points. Like it's. I mean, how could they? The the idea. This is one of those ones where it's like 
if if you went back to opening night and you're like, hey, I'm a time traveler, um, nothing interesting happening in the world in in March, but <laughs> the Vegas Golden Knights are uh, are potentially going to miss the playoffs, you would not be able to fathom like you wouldn't be able to get your head around it. You'd be like, what? You know, well, they got injuries, they had this and that, but you'd be like, did they just not? Oh, Make not any- only that though, uh, they're not they're they're in a, they're in rough shape, and they have also already traded for Jack yes. Eichel. Yeah, <laughs> right? like, and you're like, oh, he hasn't he hasn't played yet. No, no, he's been there for and and that's the thing. Like everyone's kind of having a laugh now that 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 basically the Golden Knights' plan was to do the the Tampa Kucherov thing and wait until the playoffs, but that you can only do that when you actually make the playoffs. But when that trade happened, there wasn't one single person going, I'm a little nervous that though, that may, what if they don't make the postseason? Like that wasn't even a thought up until two weeks ago. It never even occurred to me that the golden Knights could miss the playoffs, even as they were dropping down the standings. um, It's, it's right. Like it's the, to me, it's the biggest story other than my five pin bowling problems. This is the biggest (laughs) story in the hockey world right now. And I'm really fascinated to see how it plays out. Cause they need it. Like if Robin Leonard isn't, like imminently coming back, they need a goalie now. Yes, and they do. how the hell do they? How the hell do they get one other than? Do you shut down Robin Lander for the rest of the season? Like now, you're playing yep, real dangerous absolutely. game because you can't. You're not shutting guys down for the rest of the year and saying, "Yeah, but you know they'll be fine for the playoffs." There is no playoffs if you if you don't get this figured out. So yeah, um, man. So let's uh, let's say this. We mentioned them earlier. Vancouver and Winnipeg are two teams where for quite a while now everybody's been kind of like, well, they're selling at the deadline. And now they're in a position where it's like, will they though? Like mm-hmm. I wonder especially with Vancouver, where it's like, oh, they they might still trade Connor Garland and try to make the playoffs. And it's like, huh. Yeah, I don't get where the Connor Garland thing is i like he's a lesser player than than jt miller i would say yeah like if if you're gonna keep one of those guys and i think he makes a similar amount of money yeah he's he's his cap hits around five million did they extend him or was he or did he who miller yeah no uh garland i think they traded for him and gave him a big extension yeah which is always that's that's always uh disaster yeah they he was extended in like he's a He's such a good player. Um, I, I don't. And he's twenty six. He, so yeah, and I don't know that he's having like a great. Like I, I'm not saying he's having a great season or anything like that. But I think I think that's a player that if you put him in the right circumstance, um, he can he can be just a classic. Like at age twenty six or whatever. Damn, where did this guy come from? Yeah. Kind of a player. So why you know? why do you move a guy like like I understand that you've got cap problems, but you, you know, it's it's sort of like when the Leafs were always talking about trading Morgan Riley when he was making five million. Right. You, you don't solve your cap problems by trading guys on the yeah decent value contracts. Like, who? What twenty six year old center are you going to get who's better than this guy for less money with the cap space? Yeah, and, and you know, obviously they they've been looking at or at least talked about like oh they might move Besser. I, like I always thought if they move JT Miller that would be just an absolutely insane move. And and to I I think that's kind of true to a lesser extent with Besser. Like Besser he's not the 30 goal guy that people want to make him out to be necessarily, I would say. 
But, like, is he, like, a 20-plus goal guy every year? Absolutely. And mm-hmm. the, I guess the question for them becomes, since he's an R, a pending RFA, like, does he think he's the... Because he can say, I'm the 30-goal guy. Yeah. And want to get paid like that. And then you're in another tough situation where it's like, how do we make that work? I can see why you would want to move him. But with Garland, he's signed for five... He's signed till he's, like, 30. At less than $5 million a year. Yeah. And, and, and you, signed until he's 30, but not 35 or something crazy where you're like, we got to get out. No, signed until he's 30. Yeah. It's a good so, yeah. contract. So, yeah. Um, I, but, I mean, I feel like they've maybe now given cover to just stay the course here. So Yeah. But with that having been said, that also means like we will have to make a tough decision at the draft or whatever. Yes. We might not be able to bring back all but these lower-end uh, NHL guys. GMs love kicking the can down the road. They certainly do, but like decisions. with a new one, that's the that's the interesting question to me. With a brand new one, what would be the point of kicking the can down the road if you're if you're the Canucks? I I, I don't know. But anyway, um the other team there is is Winnipeg. And Winnipeg's another one where it's like they need to blow it up. Everybody, like nobody, mm-hmm. even if they vaguely compete for the playoffs for the rest of the year, and e- Christ, even if they make it, even if they somehow get in, um, jumping what four teams in the process, uh, three teams, something like that. Yeah. Like, what's the point? I guess the point is you you when you have one of the best goalies in the world, he can get insanely that's, hot. And, that's and, the point, and the yeah. point is also you know it makes everyone's jobs more secure and all of that stuff that isn't necessarily in yeah. the best long term interests of the team. But but this is a team that their coach had to quit because they wouldn't fire him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So like you know if if Mark Chipman is like I would never in a million years fire the most average coach in the NHL, uh, whose teams always seem to underperform. Why would you do that with your GM? Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know. So, like, it'll be interesting to see because, well, that's the other thing. It's everybody's like, oh, they'll probably still trade Andrew Kopp. And it's like, well, Andrew Kopp might have another concussion now. So, I don't know how how they make that work without... The West is fun, man. This is... Yeah, no, I mean, everybody thought... Things were kind of set. We said it on this podcast. Things are kind of settled. Like a month and a half ago, probably we said it was, that. It felt like it was getting there. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, like I said, Vegas lost like fourteen of seventeen or whatever it's been. Like they've been just awful for for six, eight weeks. And yeah, there you go. Um, but yeah, now now I guess we'll talk about the Austin Matthews suspension. Um, I would say, you know, I got, I got in a lot of trouble for saying this on Twitter the other day, but I would say if they call the initial check or whatever you want to call it by, by Darlene, there's probably not this, uh, Mm -hmm. this incident with that having been said, I'm shocked at how light Matthews got off for cross-checking a guy in the head. You thought? Yeah, I, I, thought, I, I thought two was about right. I mean, that's well, the two is about right insofar as they never give anybody a suspension of more than two games without also him being a multiple time offender, right? 
But I, I think that again, like I'm a, I'm a big. They should throw the book at everybody, guys. So like, I, th- I think it was pretty, pretty nice of them to let them to let him only get two games, given that he cross checked a guy in the head. Um, yeah. With you know, he said, "Oh, it rode up the shoulder pads." It didn't even. It did touch the shoulder pads let alone rode up like there was right in the head neck area like that that's that to me is an easy five games every time if you if you want to take these kinds of things seriously right which Um, so uh, yeah i don't don't disagree but given the precedent it was going to be one or two games and you Mm -hmm. know especially when you're dealing with a guy with not only no history but two-time lady bing finalist uh not exactly uh you know somebody who has any kind of uh history here right but uh yeah he cross-checked the guy in the neck and you know i know a lot of leaf fans were were mad about everything leading up to it uh, you know the fact that the game austin, the whole game itself well not even the game right like it's austin matthews never draws penalties even though he's got he plays 200 feet he's got the puck the whole game and he's drawn like six penalties all year uh the game before that he he gets like blatantly fouled in overtime and it leads directly to the other team winning. Uh, and then in this game, he gets cross-checked four or five times. There's no call. Uh, and then he cross-checks a guy in the head and gets suspended. And it's just, you know what? You can be mad about those first three things and also accept that this had to be a suspension. You can't, you, you cannot possibly consider the precedent of if our refs screw up enough times, you get a free cross-check in somebody's throat. Like that's right. So he was going to get suspended. It, they could have got away with one. Um, two was fine. It Two fit the, the precedent that they usually, you know, on, on things that don't cause injuries where there's no history. Two was about right. Um, and, yeah, you can, you can be ticked off about the lack of calls. I mean, welcome to the party. Most other fan bases are, have their own list of complaints. Um, right. You know, sure. maybe maybe this adds up to him starting to draw a few calls uh, at some point, kind of like he did with Connor McDavid last year. Like he's back up towards the top of the league where he should be. Um, maybe that happens with Matthews too. But in the meantime, yeah, you can't cross check guys in the head. It's bad. Yeah, I, I think I think it's a good precedent to set of cross checking a guy on the head is bad. Yeah, uh, that that's just me. But um, yeah, I don't know it. But what if it was guy on your favorite team that did the cross checking in the head? Well, as long as it's related to the Leafs, I'm always going to be 100 percent pissed and steamed about anything. Yeah, you have to have a take, and you have to. Uh... Yeah, I mean, look, like we, we we said it. It comes after a week where everybody's like, "Damn, the refs suck." <laughs> like mm-hmm. Colorado, yeah, bad week. Um, yeah, no, and what was it? Was it the Edmonton? Uh game there was that awful missed call there was the carol i'm thinking of carolina toronto and, and colorado there yeah. might have been one in edmonton colorado had one and then there was edmonton it was like the it led to the tying goal where i think it was like hyman or somebody just got tackled that's right yeah 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 you're right um yeah you, you again you just look at it and you go well, uh, you know, this this is a thing that people have been saying for a while is you can do whatever you want to the best players in the world Mm-hmm. And, and uh that's part of the game. And and also that the refs don't want to decide the game, so mm-hmm. they will not make calls and we saw two clear cases where it decided 
not in Edmonton, you know, it just, it, it cost, uh, you know, it cost a point and in, in the Toronto overtime game, it cost them the game basically because the referees didn't call obvious penalties. Um, and that's how it works, right? I mean, you can say, I don't want to decide the game, but sometimes you have to. That's your job. You're the referee. Yeah. You, and this you this is going to get us in trouble because it sounds like we're saying, uh, like, it should be it should be a, a, a game for soft losers. And, you know, well, it's like, not a game for soft losers. It's a game where if somebody is if you go to the front of chasing the net, you a puck. You should expect to get yeah. cross-checked at the back. Oh, that sounds wrong, actually. Like, I feel like cross-checking is not in the rule book. Uh, yeah. as it's allowed within this many. Yeah. Yep, I'm with you. So yeah, that that's kind of a, my take on it is like it's, I've said I've said it a million times, but like I, I I ran these numbers whatever like 4 or 5 years ago when I was like seems like Connor McDavid doesn't draw a lot of penalties and then I looked and he was like 39th in the league in in penalties drawn and it's like yeah, that doesn't that doesn't ring true to me that that a guy that fast and that skilled should be drawing fewer penalties than like fourth liners or whatever. But, mm-hmm. Yeah, you're not allowed to say that because it may it means uh it means you you want the game to be played without checking, which to That's be fair, right. I do want the game to be played. You should you should check out tennis. Mm. That's right. Have you noticed that tennis seems to have replaced figure skating as the go-to uh like sport that you're supposed to watch if you don't like seeing guys get their brains scrambled? I haven't, but that's... I feel like that's progress. Like, right? We've kind of... Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I mean, at, le- at least in, in tennis, now you're actually competing against somebody. Yeah. As opposed to... Like, yeah, it's a sport. The you limits know, of your body. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um. But yeah. How about this? Tyler Sagan yesterday, did you see this quote? I did see the quote, and I got to be honest, I, I I didn't think it through to the level that you did. Uh, so, so Tyler Sagan quote on Jason Robertson. Jason Robertson playing his brother uh, last night. It, so, like the Robertson family was was a big deal, and they asked Tyler Sagan about Jason, and he says, "People ask me what type of player he is. I tell my buddies he's almost like a rattlesnake out there. He kind of just moves around. You don't really see him, and then all of a sudden he gets it, and boom, you're bit. It's in the back of the net." Uh, Tyler, I don't know if you know this about rattlesnakes. Their their whole thing is that they make a noise before they attack you. <laughs> they do. It's they, it's it's even in the name. If you think about right, it. yeah. Like if you want, oh, if you had said cobra, I'm right there with you, brother. Yep. But yep. Uh, rattlesnakes, they rattle. It's in the name. Yep. It made me laugh yesterday, uh, especially because look. Everybody got so mad when Paul, or mad isn't the right word, but people were like, what is Paul Fenton saying? He can't compare Matt Zuccarello to a damn lizard. That's insane. Tyler Sagan says, this young man is a snake. And everybody's like, what a quote. What kind of snake? Justice for Paul Fenton. Yeah. Well, I'm going to go the other way and say we should be able to make fun of both of them because, you know. You know what? Compare, You're right. And comparing I, a guy I, to a lizard is is still pretty funny. Having but. already done so, I agree that you should yeah. be able to okay. make fun of both right. of these guys. But yeah, that just that just really made me laugh of Tyler Sagan being like, "Yeah, you never you never see this guy coming." <laughs> the notoriously silent <laughs> noise beast is the uh, uh, Tyler. 
You know, they, did, they never said Tyler was a smart guy, I guess. You know? I don't think anyone has ever said that. I will. <laughs> like, one of the classic guys, they never said he was smart this whole time. Yeah. So, you can continue saying it, I guess. Um, yeah, we'll be right back. Folks, spring is here. And one of the things that's tough about spring, I think, is you never know exactly how to dress. Might be 50 degrees right now. Two hours from now, it could be 30. And you don't want to get caught wearing the wrong thing. And that's where the good folks at Mack Weldon come in. Because with their daily wear system, all your clothes can work together. And they're going to be good for you going to the office. They're going to be good for you working out. They're going to be good for you hanging out. And in fact... They're going to be good for you recording a podcast because I'm wearing some right now. I'm wearing my Ace sweatpants. These things are so comfortable and and they're nice and warm. I was walking the dog in them last night when it was like 35 degrees, really windy. I was perfectly comfortable. So in addition to the Ace sweatpants, there's also Ace sweatshirts, sweatshorts, okay? There's also the Atlas jogger, half zip and full zip jackets. They got it all. So what you're going to want to do if you're trying to upgrade your wardrobe this spring is you're going to want to go to MacWeldon.com slash PS and then at checkout enter the promo code PS. So again, that's MacWeldon.com slash PS and enter the promo code PS for 20% off your first order. Uh, And that will help you get the perfect look for this spring and maybe save a little bit of money. All right, uh, two non-hockey things that are happening here. Uh, lately is first of all, this, this is sort of like a, a, a secret wrestling podcast. And so we do have to say rest in peace to the bad guy, Scott Hall. Yes. Um, best intercontinental champion ever. There's a strong case. It's up there. there. Certainly among case. guys who never got the world title. The big belt. Yeah. yeah. He would be, uh, he would be up there. Yeah. Um, um, one of the first like wrestlers I remember thinking, damn, he's cool. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Which was amazing because his whole gimmick was like that this guy is really cool, which usually is a recipe for total disaster. Yeah, absolutely. And yet But I think I think that here my theory is that it's he's cool and he's a bad guy. Anytime it's he's cool and he's a good guy, people True. go, No thanks. Yep. I don't like that. Yeah. But anytime he's cool and he's a bad guy, and he, Christ, he's the bad guy. He is the bad guy. I mean, in he a world of himself as such. bad guys. And my favorite story of like the career, because Scott Hall, I guess, had a pretty extensive wrestling career in the 80s. But like, he did, yeah. For most of us, it's the early 90s. He shows up as um, <clears throat> Razor Ramon in the WWE. And apparently the story is like he. He approaches Vince McMahon and he was like, "Have you ever seen Scarface?" And Vince is like, "No." And he goes, "Well, what you is know." Scarface? And he and he starts like doing the character, right? Like, "Hey, man," you know, like you know, all that sort of thing. And uh, uh, and Vince is like, "Perfect, I love it. Do that." And he was like, "Yeah, I mean, I I can't do that that because I would just be stealing the character." But that's the the concept. And Vince was like, "No, you do that. That's your character. That's exactly right. what you just did." And so he's doing. A total, uh, you know, Al Pacino, Scarface character, but he made it work. Yeah, no, I mean, and and that's the thing is, again, like he comes out and he is doing Scar. I, I think um, Shea Serrano tweeted yesterday, like that was he so was funny. so good that at was it, so good that even when the uh, all the Latinos found out he was a white guy, they were like, "Yeah, he still rocks. We yeah. love him." 
Yeah, we're fine with that. He was. Yeah, and I mean, as, as cool as Razor Ramon is, um, the 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 thing about Scott Hall is he changed wrestling forever. He did. Uh, he he goes to WCW and uh, he's sitting at ringside for a few weeks at first, and they're like, "Oh, that's Scott Hall. What's he doing here? He's." He's not supposed to be here, that kind of thing. And then finally, he goes in the ring, beats up some guys, like some WCW jobbers or whatever. And the first thing out of his mouth is he goes, you know who I am. Yep. And I, you know, blah, blah, blah. I don't like how this company does things or whatever. Right. Because the WWF had spent the last year in this battle with WCW, making fun of WCW and saying how much it sucked. Yes. And everybody expects Scott Hall to come over and go, now I'm where the big boys play, and I'm in the big leagues now. And instead, he comes over and goes, you guys suck, and does the same thing that WWF had been saying. And everybody freaks out because they think he has been sent. This is 1996, man. We didn't have the internet. People thought he had actually invaded from the opposing company. And it was the coolest thing ever. Like, it was, you're just, he gets up and does the whole nacho man shtick. And uh, people lost their minds. Yeah, and and within two or three weeks, uh, oh, here's Kevin Nash to do the same thing. Right. And we're, and we're, we're here to destroy WCW. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then... And what was, you know, what was, it wasn't, uh, how did he end the promo? Wasn't it like, he said something like, you want a war, now you've got one? Yep, that's and right. And people were like, this is, this is, but like, that was the sort of thing, like, like every schoolyard in North America was like little kids being like, did you see the, like, the WWF sent Razor Ramon on live television to- And it, Diesel Yeah, later. and Di- like, it, and it sounds stupid now, but, and it would never work today, because it would all be- you know, on the internet within three seconds. But back then, you actually just had to watch the show. And, like, the thing is, there was such a a hatred between those two companies at the time that instantly they come in and they go, like, nuclear heat. Like, we hate these fucking guys. And then they get Hulk Hogan to turn? Yep. Like, holy shit. Especially because they're they're wrestling, uh, like... The basically the faces of WCW, Sting, Lex Luger, and Randy Savage, and they're like, "This is we're we're gonna take these guys on three, two on three, basically." And these are again like the biggest stars WCW has to offer, ex- with the exception of Hulk Hogan. And uh, and then Hulk Hogan comes down when it's becoming clear that the outsiders are starting to gain an advantage in the match, and everybody's like, "Here he comes! He's gonna stop these these two dastardly guys!" And of course, he joins them. Oh, do, do you know my pet peeve with this whole thing? Is is it with, uh, is it Bobby Heenan? Bobby Heenan going. Yeah. But whose side is he on? The Don't only downside in the otherwise immaculate career of Bobby Heenan, the greatest. Yeah. Uh, yeah color guy in yeah, history absolutely. blew it on that one but yeah yeah the, but the, anyway yeah and then and and, and the, the the thing from a you know from a business perspective is scott hall and kevin nash got paid a ton of money to jump yes. and got guaranteed contracts which back then wasn't really a thing 
and basically reset the pay scale for uh, everybody for pro wrestlers. Wrestling. And and the best story, if you heard this one, where it, it, months later, the WWF, which still owns the rights to the characters Razor Ramon and Diesel, decides mm-hmm. that they're going to basically do what they do in soap operas and recast the roles and have new guys come and play those characters. It, it seemed like a good idea at the time, I guess, to them. Mm-hmm. So they announced, like, next week or, you know, coming soon, Razor Ramon and Diesel return to Raw. We'll be back, yeah. At, at- and, and, and I mean, the point of it was that dumb fans were supposed to go like, oh, Scott Hall and Kevin Nash are coming back. They never said Scott Hall and Kevin Nash. They said Diesel and Razor Ramon. Um, but the fans were supposed to think these guys were coming back. But apparently the the – Decision makers at WCW saw this and were like, oh, no, <laughs> these guys are going to jump back. And so they called them in and like gave them like big contract Raises, extensions yeah. and everything. And, and they just sat. They were smart enough to just go like, sure. Well, yeah, yeah we'll sign. <laughs> and uh, over something they had no intention of ever doing. Yeah. And they got even more money, which now, you know what? Great. Now, the fake Razor Ramon that they did bring out and everybody immediately was like, fuck you, we yeah, hate this. they hated it so much. Um, the, so the fake Razor Ramon was a guy who didn't really turn into anything. Mm-hmm. Fake Diesel. Do you know who Fake Diesel was? Yeah, well, he was the guy who uh, went on to become uh, the evil dentist, I think. But then uh, then he was Kane, right? Then he was Kane, yeah, that's exactly Which is, right. he, you know, good good start. But, you know what, that whole episode proved that if if you're like, well, you know, it's... The character was cool. No, it wasn't the case. It was Scott Hall was cool. Because they had somebody cool. come out and try to play the character, and he sucked. Like, it's, as soon as he walked on the screen, you were like, no. Yeah, because hard no. the thing with Kane is, you were never like, Kane is so cool. No, no. Kane was just a big guy who, who was really good at uh, choke slamming people. Yeah. No, the, the, the Scott Hall was, like, the fact that he could, the, the key indicator that a wrestler is super cool is if they can take a standard object and make it cool. Like Mr. Perfect taking a white towel and turning it into like the coolest thing ever when he would like flip it well, behind his back. See, I would have said a chewed piece of gum for that Mr. Too. Perfect. There you go. The two of them. And, Which, and by the way, were, were you one of these kids who, when you were done with a piece of gum, you would absolutely. spit it out and yeah, try to swat it into the 50th row? Yeah. yeah. Did I ever successfully do it as well as him? No, but not, I wasn't. Not as well as him. He did it every time. Incredible. I wasn't perfect. And no, he was, but yeah, uh, did, that's the thing about uh, Mr. Perfect is he did everything. It was perfect. I mean, honestly, it was a good, it was a good name for him because he was yeah. perfect. And uh, Scott Hall had the toothpick, which was just Absolutely. that he would take a toothpick out of his mouth and throw it in your face was like, like and, and made you want to see like him it was get the black mist. Yeah, right? like <laughs> ah. And then like you would just be like, this guy needs to get his ass kicked. Because he just threw a toothpick in whoever's face. And it was And the great this is the other great thing about Scott Hall. Unlike even Kevin Nash, totally willing to put younger, talented guys over. Yes. Famously lost to the kid who became the one, two, three kid, who became right. six, who became X Pac. But he also like he lost to so there was an article I think on Defector that was like here he is losing to Chris Jericho on a random Nitro. Yep. Like, Back when, and then, before Jericho was really no, at he, that level. Chris yeah. Jericho was still Lionheart Chris Jericho. I don't even know. He might not have even been cruiserweight champion. He No, I think he must have been cruiserweight champion at that point. But um, 
But then a couple weeks later, he loses to Hector Garza. Wow. Like, come on, man. Yeah. Scott Hall putting over Hector fucking Garza is like the ultimate sign of this guy. Just he knew it didn't matter whether he won or lost. Scott Hall was Scott Hall. Scott Hall was kind of like like he was this weird mix that you don't see very much in wrestling where he was like really, really good at wrestling and really understood wrestling but didn't really seem to care about wrestling all that much. Like yeah. he was never, uh, you know, he's just like, oh, whatever. Like he, he cared about the business side. He cared about getting paid and he did. Uh, you know, but you know, from there it was like him and Nash were just, you always kind of felt like they were just half goofing around. Like, can you believe we're getting millions of dollars to go on live TV and just do whatever we want? Yeah. Here's the, here's the last thing I want to say about Scott Hall. How tall do you think of scott hall as having been yeah he he was super tall but he stood next to kevin nash's entire career so right and kevin nash is seven feet ish yeah wasn't he like six seven or something yeah six seven okay six foot seven bigger than hulk hogan (laughs) yeah by like a few inches it was always weird when like he would yeah like because you think of him as a as kind of like a bulky guy, but not yeah. like a huge guy. He was like guy. a regular like, sized no. pro wrestler, but he wasn't. He was. He's a, he's as tall as like, uh, I don't know, how tall is Braun Strowman? Like six, yeah. eight? Yeah. If if he he's, he's, he, he was, was tall Braun enough. He was tall enough that like they could have called him seven feet tall because that's what they do in wrestling. They're like, you're, yes. you're over six, six. Congratulations, yeah. you're seven feet tall, but they never really. Two did. inches shorter than The Undertaker or whatever. And everybody's yeah. like, oh, he's not that big. This guy's yeah. fucking enormous. And used that size to his advantage, like, in the ring. Mm-hmm. In, just in terms of, like, you know, he like he would he would wrestle small guys all the time and make, like, and tower over them. Yeah. But also then, again, unlike other big, tall guys, be like, oh, that guy's really beating the shit out of me. You know? Yeah. It ruled. Anyway, good. we love Scott so, Hall. He was great. Had a, what a very, what a very troubled, uh, like, Outside of the business life, mm-hmm, uh, absolutely. It, to the point where, like, you know, even though he 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 passed this week in his early sixties, like, you haven't seen a lot of people going like, "Oh, too young." I can't believe, you know, like it, with Scott Hall, it's it's a borderline miracle that, that was that was a hard. It wasn't twenty years ago. Years, yeah. Like, I mean, he he was he was literally in, in you know with drugs and substances and all sorts of things. Like, he he he, it could have been twenty years ago, and people would not have been shocked. So the yeah. fact that he. Mostly got his life back on track and and got you know another uh, good decade out of things and uh, yeah you know good for him. Yep, and and we I guess we have to say thank you to Diamond Dallas Page for saving his life. Basically. It's one of the weirdest. Re- what a, like, what a second is, act for DDP. The the fact that like a pro wrestler his second act is teaching yoga to people who are on the verge of death from addiction. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's worked multiple times. Saved two of the, like Razor Ramon and Jake the Snake Roberts were two guys that you were like they're going to die any day now, and then they went and did yoga with. They hung out with Diamond Diamond for like a, a couple of years, and it's like actually tack an extra ten years on. Yeah, life they're instance. they're fine. They're both all uh, right. They're back on all right. One last thing here, I don't. The, the, this is going to be a classic. Do they have this in Canada thing? Mm-hmm. But the U.S. is now making uh, or working toward making daylight savings permanent. And I legit again, uh, a, a thing I legitimately don't know. 
is that a thing in Canada at all? Because, like, the way people talk about it here is, like, this is the worst thing that's yeah. ever happened to the United States of America is daylight savings time. It's awful. And we do have it here, and it's at the same time. And okay. it's, it's the same, except up here, like, where I am, we have, like, four hours of daylight in the anyway, winter. Right. And they're like, let's have it from 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. That's great. And, you know, now that I say all this, I should have known because it's not like the Leafs are ever playing at 6 o'clock. Yeah, it doesn't screw up the uh, the playoff schedule or whatever. Right. Yeah, that's... I will say this. I do not know... I, I know that we do the, the clocks, the spring forward, fall back. Yeah. I do not know which of those is daylight savings and which is whatever the other one is. I think it's spring forward, but okay. now I don't know why. Because whenever I see people like like yesterday and it's like, we're going to make daylight savings permanent, I'm like, I don't know whether to be furious or overjoyed at this. So, uh, so I think it's the good one. I saw some people talking yesterday that they tried this in the 70s and everybody hated it during the winter. Why? Because, like, in the morning it's darker for longer. Well, just screw the morning people. Like that's... Look, I don't disagree with okay. you, but apparently, all, right. all I know is in the seventies, and no, let me let me amend that. All I know is I saw people saying they did it in the seventies. I don't know. I wasn't around. That's. Uh, I mean, I get it. It probably would be depressing to wake up in the dark, and you know, but it's also depressing to have it like here. It gets dark at four thirty. In the afternoon, right. I gotta like walk over. My kids are younger. Like, go pick them up from daycare. It's pitch black. It's not even five o'clock yet. Yeah. I, I, so uh, <laughs> this is so funny. Sunrise, January seventh, nineteen seventy four, eight twenty seven a.m. <laughs> that's that's really right. funny. That is a little rough. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, so December 14th, 1973, Congress was like, we're going to we're going to do it for 2 years and we'll see mm-hmm. how it goes. And everybody like within a month everybody was like, fuck this. Okay. Uh-huh. Which like I yeah, so it's a thing of I guess I'll see how I feel about it 8 months from now. 9 months from now, whatever it is, but yeah, I, I don't know if I care. I guess is my point. As a guy who doesn't commute. <laughs> I, I just, I, for me, and maybe it's because it, it coincides with the days getting longer, but, like, when we set the clocks forward in the spring, it's, like, the happiest weekend for me. I, I get oh, excited, sure. like, a month. Like, it, usually in February, I Google it, because every year I forget when it happens, and I go, and I'm like, all right. I'm, yeah, with a gun to my head, I couldn't tell you when. Yeah, like, no idea what weekend. And I have a better chance of telling you when Easter is uh, than <laughs> yes, than absolutely. figuring this out. And and I get bummed out when it's time to change them in the winter because I'm like, that's it. It's you know this this sucks now. And like you know, I'm Sunday evening. Like probably a lot of people. I, Sitting there with my face pressed against the glass at six forty-five, like it's still light out. This is so. This is so great. So, I'm I'm all in favor of this change. I have no idea if they'll do it in Canada. I would assume they would. They they probably. I think would. I saw that at least in British Columbia, they're already like, well, if they're going to do it, we got to do it. Yeah, I I suspect it would it would be weird if the two countries were off uh, by an hour for. Yeah. Again, uh, Canada is the fifty-first state. Yeah. Um, they're, 
They're, they just do whatever we tell them to do. It would throw off our five-pin bowling schedule uh, significantly. <laughs> and, and That's yeah. right. Um, so, yeah, uh, I guess that's it. We're done. Nothing else to yeah, say. Yeah, we can be done. Yeah. Um, Sean, why don't you go first with plugs? Because uh, it's always the same. The the Athletic has got, uh, it's, I mean, they've got my stuff, but they've got everybody's stuff right now on trade deadline. Uh, we're going crazy, clearly, until uh, Monday and then beyond uh, with the fallout. And also, it is a dollar a month right now. So if you're not wow. an Athletic subscriber, like, get in now. It's a dollar a month for six months. If you don't like it after six months, you can get out again. Um, but you you will get your $6 worth just on Monday alone. I can pretty much guarantee it. I'm doing uh, the live uh, trade blog on Monday. I don't know who I'm doing it with. I'm guessing Gentilly, but maybe not. Um, but, yeah, let's Sorry just say him. Whether, whether he wants to do it or not, he's just been yeah. assigned. He's in, um, and uh, that'll be fun. And I've got a bunch of trade stuff uh, this week. And uh, and so does everyone. So if you if you have not jumped in yet, it's a dollar. I promise you, you'll get your money's worth. If you don't, come up to me when you see me, and I will give you a dollar back. <laughs> don't actually do that. Though. Don't do that. Um, Absolutely, do not approach me. Um, I, I I guess I guess I'm, I I said I I don't I have the same plug every week, and I guess that's kind of true in terms of uh, sign up for EP Rinkside. Uh, when you get an annual subscription and use the code I love EP, they'll tack an extra uh, three months onto your subscription, absolutely free of charge. But much like you, Sean, I am also doing what's kind of a live blog. I they asked if I wanted to do trade grades for every trade uh, between. Oh, wow. Yeah, I, so I had to go back and start with the Toffoli trade, which was like almost a month ago at this point, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and and uh, as I was getting started doing the trades uh, that had already happened, uh, I also did Labushkin and uh, Manson trades. Uh, the the Sturm Jost trade went through, and I was like, I guess I got to do that now too. Um, and so yeah, I will be grading every trade between now and uh, the deadline. You're going to be busy. Yeah, that's, I don't know why I agreed to this. It was very stupid. Bad move. I fucked up big time, especially because, you know what else is happening, is college hockey uh, playoffs are are ongoing and the tournament will start, uh, not this coming Friday, but the Friday fall, or Thursday following, actually. They changed it to Thursday this year. Um, And I'm going to have a huge NCAA tournament preview. Um, Basically... Your favorite team has at least one prospect in the NCAA tournament this year, uh, is, is in all likelihood. And so you're going to want to uh, check out everything I have to say about it. Um, it's going to be, let's say, in-depth. And so I have to do that by Wednesday. Uh-oh. My, my week's going to stink. Why are you doing this podcast? Like, let's, yeah, let's wrap it up. Big time. Let's go. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah. And then sign up for the Pucks Who Patreon also. Uh, good stuff over there. We're doing, uh, the bonus episode, uh, for the end that we usually do at the end of the month this week because, uh, Greg is going on vacation. So that's, that's why. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's it. Uh, check it all out and, uh, thanks for the support and thanks for listening as always. And, uh, yeah, that's it. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
Sticks and hits and goals and saves and slap shots and goons. We've got sportly commentary to what if you commute. But we also cover movies, TV shows, hits and tunes. It's your weekly bowl of hockey and nonsense. Box soup.